My name is Matt, and I'm honored to be with you this morning. I'm from our Blue Angel campus. Uh, before we get going, though, I do want to go ahead and dismiss our students here. Um, I heard that you guys needed to hear a good word this morning, so they're going to take you somewhere where you can hear a good word and, and uh, enjoy that. Um, speaking of students, I got to thinking this morning as I was preparing. Um, I don't. Some of you may not know this. Most of you probably don't. But I used to be the worship uh, pastor at a Blue Angel campus for a very long time. And uh, a long time ago, I was laid lead worship for the youth as well. And I guarantee you that most of you don't know this about Pastor AJ, but Pastor AJ played the bass for me um, in our worship team for the youth. Like, also the guitar. I'll get to that in a minute. But back in the day, man, I mean, we had a little band in the worship, and um, Pastor AJ, he, was, uh, he, was, he played the bass. And I remember one time, we want to do this song, and, and I had this little fake it's not a real keytar. It was kind of a fake kid's size keytar. If you don't know what it is, basically a keyboard that you wear like a guitar. But he learned that little line for that song, man, and we just, we'd kill it. And it was uh, so much fun. But uh, Pastor AJ and Rochelle and uh, Pastors Ron and Judy, man, they, they're doing an amazing job here. So God is just working through this campus, and I'm just uh, honored to be standing on the stage to be a part uh, of what's going on here in, in, uh, at this campus. And uh, before we... I keep rambling too much. I want to go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now, Lord Jesus, that you would just speak to us. God, that our our ears and our hearts would be open to hear what you'd have to say. It's in your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, who, who here likes a good argument? Like, you just... Like, a good argument... I, I'm not a, I don't like to argue, but I do like watching people argue. Like, it's a great pastime. Like... So, arguments are very popular. Like, they draw a lot of attention. Uh, some of the most famous shows out there, uh, basically the promos for those shows are like two people arguing, right? It's like one of the shows has got like, you know, Karen, she's arguing with Cindy because Karen was making out with Greg earlier. But then the day before, Karen was, uh, uh, Greg was making out with Cindy earlier. So now Karen and Cindy are arguing with like, he likes me better than you and I'm going to beat you up and whatever, but I mean, whatever. I mean, but that's literally the promo for a show. And like, people are like, I got to watch that. That's a lot of drama going on. Or like, you know, if you guys like WWE or WWF back in the day, it's like, they'd just be arguing like up in their face and be like, I'm going to crush you. La, 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 la. And, you know, that was, that's a little old school. But I will tell you, if the greatest place to watch an argument, if you've never done this, is watching guys play basketball, okay? I'm not talking about real basketball players. I'm not talking about NBA or college. I'm talking about, like, normal guys playing street basketball. There are so many arguments there. It is ridiculous. I love playing basketball. I'm not very good at it, but I like to go out and watch the arguments, so I go. But, like, it goes, I mean, it's so silly. It can go like this. Like, a guy just goes up for a layup, and he gets fouled, and he calls in one. And the guy that fouls, he goes, you can't call that. And he goes, what do you mean? You fouled me. He's like, you can't call in one because I fouled you. You didn't make the shot. You, get, you can't have both. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's okay because it's just room for them to argue. Like, it literally doesn't make sense. Like, you can't call my foul. I'm calling my own foul. I, I fouled you. Don't call it. I'm calling the foul. You fouled me. I, I didn't foul you. I mean, it is, it's hilarious. If you ever just, you're bored, just go find a court and just watch dudes argue. There's probably more arguing going on than there is actual basketball. 
But I, I guess guys are more sensitive um, than girls sometimes. People think it may be the other way around, but I, I disagree. Um, so with that, I want to pick up this morning with just a great argument in the Bible. Like, it, we're going to pick it up right in the heat of the moment of a, an amazing argument. And we're going to go to John chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 12. And it says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. So things got awkward right there, okay? Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I am going. So you can read it like that and just say, oh, it's so nice. But if we were to like read this, like with a little bit of imagination, like this is an awkward moment. I mean, this is kind of weird. Like Jesus, he's sitting down in the temple and he's teaching and there's a crowd there. And in his teaching, he says, I am the light of the world. When someone speaks up in the crowd and says, you're testifying about yourself and you're a liar. Like that's, you saying that to Jesus? Like in that moment, like he's teaching, there's a lot of people around. So Jesus says, what if I am testifying about myself? I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. You don't know where I come from and you don't know where I'm going. So you don't know if I'm lying or not. So what we really need to understand here is, is what he's trying to say. And why is this guy uh, so offended? Like, listen, I may say something this morning that may quasi offend you. Okay. I'm sorry in advance. But if I do say something that you don't agree with or that offends you, you can like, you can just kind of get up quietly and be like, man, this guy's an idiot. I'm out of here. I'm not going to listen to anything he's got to say. Like, that's cool. But I guarantee you, like, like if I say something and you jump up and you're like, you're a liar. And you just like yelling and I guarantee you that we're going to laugh when the safety team is dragging you out of here. Like, that's going to be a good time for us and I'll keep going. So, you know, if I say something that offends you, just choose option one. Um, but seriously, it, you know, the guy jumps up and says, you're a ridiculous liar. And like, you're going to say that to Jesus? But in the middle of his teaching, he jumps up and says, you testifying about yourself and what you're saying is not true. So what's happening here is this kind of weird dialogue. And Jesus' response of, I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. But the thing that we need to understand about this and what Jesus was saying and the idea of light and the imagery of light in, the he in Hebrew or for Hebrew uh, in the first century, particularly uh, expert in the law, this would have massive connotations what Jesus just said. And to better understand why this guy was so offended by that statement, we, need to, we can flip back to the book of Genesis and in Genesis 1, the Bible says the state of the universe looks like this. It's formless, it is dark, and it is void. And then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And God says, let there be light. And from that sentence, structure began to replace formlessness. What was formless, and what that word formless means is lacking order or arrangement was being formed, and darkness was being pushed out, and the void was being filled with life. So this is the process of creation. Um, it's the pushing out of darkness, the void being filled with life, 
and what is formless being formed. And so this is the way that God actually communicates to us and works with us, particularly uh, his creation, men and women. So when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's making some claims that are unacceptable to those people that are there in that moment. And these are the people that, you know, have based their lives on the ability to check boxes and just do what's right and feel like they're better than because they're doing what they're supposed to. But this was a massive threat to their existence because Jesus just said, I am God. He says, I am the word made flesh. So when Jesus says, let there be light, who's the active force of creation? It's Jesus. Jesus is like, I know where I come from back there, and I also know where I'm going. So where's that? Revelation 22 says, on that day, they will no longer need the sun or the moon, for the glory of God will be their light. And this is Jesus' rebuttal to your liar. He says, I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going. So Jesus was confident in the fact what he was doing. He's identifying himself as the light of the world. So he knew his purpose. And for us, that is one of the biggest questions in life is like, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I supposed to do on earth? And it's been said, actually, that our greatest purpose on earth is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. So how amazing is that as a purpose? Like, what is my ultimate purpose? To enjoy God. Well, how do you do that? By rightly living your life according to the, the plans and the principles that He has laid out for us. So, so we can have the fullest life possible. Like, we're Christians, okay? Or we're Christ followers in this room if, if you've made that commitment. We're not miserable prudes. So in a real sense, we're partiers chasing after deeper joys and greater pleasures. And the way this all works out is, is I want to hit this next point uh, very briefly, but it, it just it carries weight. So I just want you to understand this. And most of you probably already do. Um, you are a whole person, Okay. It's a mysterious kind of thing, but you at the center of you are, you at the center of who you are is you have a soul. That soul is eternal. Yet attached to that soul, there are these other really massive things like your intellect. Your intellect does not, it does not stand alone. It is attached to your soul. Your physical body isn't on its own. It is attached to your soul, which is why you can wound your body and it affects your soul. You have emotions, you feel. So what I'm saying is you're just, you're a whole person and God is trying to um, under, help you understand that and trying to get a type of blending or a combination of all of those. So let me show you a quick example. By a show of hands, who's ever been stressed out? Like, right? So it's why stress manifests itself in a physical way. It's why anxiety creates a physical effect. Anxiety is a feeling built around what you believe to be true that comes through in a physical form. So when we're talking about Jesus being the light of the world, what we're really saying is that outside of a relationship with Jesus, we are in a very real sense unmade and unformed. And so I love like real life examples um, oddly enough, we have a, a book full of real-life examples. It's called the Bible. Um, so what, all we have to do is just look a little earlier in the Scripture that we were reading for a great example of this actually happening. 
So we're going to pick it up. It says, early in the morning, Jesus came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst of this crowd, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. So don't you kind of want to know what he was writing on the ground? Like, I wish I did. That doesn't say. No one knows. Some people, some scholars and whatever, they'd be like, he was, he was writing the sins of those around there in the ground. Like, anyway, we don't know that for sure. But that would be pretty, pretty gangster if he did that. Um, so here we go. He's writing on the ground again, and look what happens. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. So why the older ones, right? Like, why the older guys leave first? It's because they got a lot. They got, they've lived a longer life. They got a lot of stuff. They're like, I'm out of here. There's too many, he's, you know, he knows too much about me. I got a long list, right? The younger ones, they don't know any better. They think they know everything. So they hung around a little longer. But us older people, we know that, uh, we know the, what, what's up with that. But um, so here's this woman, right? And don't, don't look past this. She's been caught in the act of adultery. Like, caught in the act of adultery? Like, how does that happen? Um, but anyway, they, they, they dragged this woman to Jesus because they wanted him. Um, but they have every right by the law to throw stones at this woman until she dies. Okay? So don't, don't push past this picture like, like, let, let me help you out a little bit. Hey, Liv, can you come up real quick? This is my daughter, Olivia. She's pretty awesome. She's going to come help me real quick. Can you sit, like, right here? Is that all right? All right. So I'm going to need you to, like, kind of look sad or something. <laughs> That's not helpful. That's not helpful at all. Can you look sad? <laughs> okay, this, that's better. Okay. So, all right. Don't, don't look past this scene, Okay. There's a woman caught in the act of adultery. They have drugged her and thrown her into the middle of these people, okay? In the dirt, right? She's probably like half covered up. So hold on, let's, let's do this. Like caught in the act of adultery, right? So she's probably laying on the ground in front of all these people, half covered up, Okay. And in this moment, she's probably thinking or hoping because she knows what's about to happen. She's about to be stoned to death, okay? So in her head, she's probably thinking, man, I really, really hope that that first stone hits me in my head, knocks me out, or knocks me unconscious so I don't feel the rest of it. Like, this is what's going on right now. And Jesus says, let the one of you who's without sin throw the first stone. And then one by one, the rocks, they all fall to the ground. Jesus walks over to her. 
lifts up her head and looks in her eyes and says, where are they? Where are your accusers? They accuse you no more, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Like, in this moment, he is invading this darkness in her life. Whatever she was looking for, he is coming to bring form to a formlessness that she is dealing with. So we have this statement, I am the light of the world, right? We have this setting, okay? Just like in the very beginning of Genesis, when he was coming to the universe was without form, without void. Just like he was doing that, he's doing this for her. Like, he came to put her on a path to a greater purpose, right? Like, listen, I know, I know her, okay? This is my daughter, Olivia. She was born June 16th, 2005. She was nine pounds, five ounces. She's 21 inches long. Like, I know her, okay? I also know that she's got a scar under her eye right here where she tried to nosedive out of the vehicle when she was like three, toddling around, and I caught her by her foot. I also know that when she was little, she used to pick her nose and wipe them on the wall behind the pillow, like, of her bed. Like, you move the pillow, and there's like just a conglomerate of just like dried boogers and snot, okay? Like, I, I know that about her, right? I know that about her because I'm her dad, okay? But how many of you know, and I don't know if you, but you know that, that, that God sees everything, right? Like, your husband may not know, but God knows. Like your pastor, he may not know, but God knows. Or your kids, they may not know, but God knows. So what we're saying is at least take the mask off. Like step into the light and let him invade those spaces in your life where we all need those voids filled. Here's the misconception about God. It's that he's a punisher, but he's far from that. He has come to provide hope. He has come to provide healing. He has come to bring love. He has come to provide a purpose. He has come to provide a plan. And He has come for relationship with you and I. That's why He comes and invades this moment. That song we sang, the last song, what was it? Only for a moment, one moment in your presence? One moment. In your presence changes everything. This one moment when Jesus is invading this space in her life, that one moment changes everything. And he does it again and again and again and again. He wants to do it for you. Thank you. You're awesome. Y'all give her a hand. So he takes what is void and fills it with life. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what Jesus is after for you and for me is abundant life. But here's the truth. Like, you don't have to be a Christian, right? Or a Christ follower to, to enjoy a really good meal. You can be a God-hating sinner and love a good steak and a great bottle of wine, okay? 
You do not have to be a Christian to love a vacation at the beach or a vacation in the mountains. You don't have to be a Christian to enjoy physical intimacy with another human being. None of those things require you to be a Christian. But here's where I would argue that in order to experience the fullness of any of those things, you must be a Christ follower. You can have a good marriage. You can enjoy a good meal. You can have a good vacation. You can enjoy a certain level of intimacy. But without Jesus Christ, because we are formless and not formed to fulfill what we were created to do, to bring glory to God and by enjoying Him forever, you will always hit a low ceiling. Like you'll get a certain amount of fulfillment and joy out of those things. But for the Christian rooted in the Word of God, knowing and growing in Him, a great steak and a bottle of wine leads to worship of something greater. It's like... That's not even actually on the table for an unbeliever. Like, oh, it was a good steak. I enjoyed that wine. It was great. Whatever. No big deal. But for the Christian, it's like, how generous is our God that he created all this and provided this? So some of you may not believe what I'm saying, but like, why would God create flavors if he did not want us to enjoy it? Like, my wife can cook. And I thank God for her. Like, because I like to eat and I like to eat good food. And she makes good food. And it's different flavors all the time. Why would God create flavors if he didn't want us to enjoy it? Like, why would God create different colors if he didn't want us to enjoy it? Like, he wants us to enjoy. Andrew, if you can come up. If you don't mind, sir. Thank you. So maybe you don't have a relationship uh, with Jesus. And you just say, man, that's, that's untrue. I enjoy things all the time. Well, yeah, I believe you. Like, there is a certain level of enjoyment you can have in those things. But if we look a little deeper, and let's just look at someone, you don't have to take my word for it, let's just look at someone who has, like, basically achieved everything. They basically have everything in life. And what I'm about to say may offend you. If you want to get up and leave, that's fine. But Tom Brady is probably one of the most prolific quarterbacks of all time. And, you know, Super Bowl rings out the oohoo. Like, I don't even know how many he has now. It's ridiculous. Victoria's Secret, swimsuit model for a wife. Football season, he's got a worship center of 80,000 people screaming and chanting his name on the weekends. Right? Like he's the Trinity. Like that's his life. And a lot of people will look at that and say, man, he's got it all. But Tom, he was actually quoted in an interview as saying this. He said, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. Like Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity into the heart of man. Therefore, only what is eternal can fill the gap of eternity. So that's why Tom Brady, for all his Super Bowl rings, from the outside looking in, he's got everything you could ever really want. But it's nothing can fill that gap of eternity. And I don't, I don't mean to pick on Tom, okay? I mean, he's clearly got some questionable things in his life because he left the Patriots. I'm just saying, and he's going to South Florida. Good luck. But if you're not a football fan, how about somebody else? 
Billie Eilish says this about fame. You're basically miserable half the time. Jim Carrey said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Matt Damon in how it felt to win an Oscar at 27. So Matt Damon won an Oscar at 27 years old. And he's doing an interview and he's basically telling the story of what happened later that night after he won it. He says, I was alone with it. And I suddenly had this kind of thing wash over me where I thought, imagine chasing that and not getting it. And getting it finally in your 80s or your 90s with all of life behind you and realizing what an unbelievable waste. You know what I mean? It can't fill you up, Damon continued. If that's a hole that you have, that won't fill it. He said, I felt so blessed to have that awareness at 27 because I wouldn't have known it unless I knew it. And I don't mean to pick on these people that are famous people like, I feel like I live a pretty good life. I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful son, a beautiful family. I love my job. Like, I feel like I've got a lot of stuff going on. But there's parts of my life that I can't, they can't compensate for those things. God can't fill those voids in my life. Or God can only fill those voids. My wife can't. My kids can't. My job can't. I can't project that on them and look to them for the things that I need God's help with. Listen, God already knows what you need. He also knows what you think you need. He also knows where you're running to get what you think you need from someone that can't give it. So what was this woman looking for? Whatever it was, she wasn't going to find it. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's saying, I fill that void with life. We get a new heart. Our relationships deepen. We begin to walk in community. Because not only have we been formed, but we're also walking in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And once we say yes to him, he begins to drive out the darkness. He begins to, what was formless creates form, and he alone will fill those voids in our life. So if the greatest purpose is to glorify God, to enjoy Him, what is the outcome of us following Him? Like, what, is, what are we looking for? And this is what Jesus does. He, is he connects His purpose to our purpose. Luke 19, He says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus fulfilling his mission in this story, speaking life into this woman caught in the act of caught in adultery, he connects his purpose to hers. He's come to seek and to save the lost. That is his purpose. But then he flips it on us. He says in Matthew 5:14, he says, "You are the light of the world." So when we're living our life to the full, when we're enjoying those things that God has created for us to enjoy, and we're walking in the rightness of the things that He is asking us to do, whether good or bad, because we go through seasons, we know that our trust and our hope is in Him, and people will look to you and say, what's up with you? You are the light of the world. 
You can speak into those places. You can take someone to Jesus and be like, I don't know what you're going through right now, but I can pray with you or I see you. I see where you're at and I can take you to someone who can feel that place in your life that you're trying to fill with whatever it is that I know is not going to feel it. That's what we're called to do. Whether you've whether you call yourself a Christ follower or not, whether you don't know him or you've known him for 40 years, he wants to speak to whatever those places are in your life because we all have them. He wants to push out the darkness. He wants to fill the void. The whole thing starts with knowing this one simple truth. It's that He loves you enough to get down in the dirt and defend you against your accusers. All so you can have life to the full. Or as my daughter would say, vibing and thriving. Like, it's okay. Have fun. Even when it's hard. Because it's going to be hard. It's hard right now. But you know what? We have a greater hope. I lift my eyes to heaven. That's where my help comes from. I want to encourage you with this. Let the light of the world fill those empty spaces in your life. Let Him invade those places and set you free from the sin and the shame that are holding you back. Open your heart to Him. I want to pray, if that's all right. Heavenly Father, I just thank You, Lord Jesus. God, that You saw fit to see a woman who was suffering, who was scared, who was hurt, You saw her. You invaded that space. You took what was formless in her life and started feeling it. You started pushing back the darkness. God, I thank you to this day you were doing that. So God, I just ask right now, Lord, that we would search our hearts, that we would open ourselves to You. We wouldn't hide. We wouldn't wander around in the desert for 40 years dealing with the same things, that we would get freedom and hope from You. If you're in this place and you've never surrendered your heart to God, the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. If you're making that decision this morning, if you'd be so bold, and I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to bring you up, but if you're making that decision, I just want to pray for you right now in this moment. If you are, would you just mind slipping your hand up just for a moment? You can slip it right back down. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. God, I pray that we wouldn't hide from you. Lord, that we receive the healing that you have for us. It's in your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's hear it for the word of the Lord this morning.